I'm Juana Manoraki of SQL.io. And I'm panicked about inefficient webinars. Jensen. Linzen, how are you? I'm great. How, late, you are. how late am I? Um, well, a few minutes. Yo, Chief of Staff, how late was I? Uh, you're born like 10 minutes late, so. Ah, <laughs> look at the Chief of Staff with some attitude. I got By that way, one from Canute, so. Ethan got promoted. He promoted himself, which is awesome. Yeah, I go, Ethan, are you comfortable with intern? He goes, I prefer Chief of Staff. So, so uh, there he goes. You got to ask for it. Comes with a big uh, whopping no pay increase. He's just said, Mr. Linson, I would like to stay intern and please bump me $200 on Venmo. And I would have gone for that. Instead, he's got chief of staff and same pay. I'm getting paid in education. There you go. <laughs> Suck up. So, uh, Jensen. Yes. We have our friend in town, Hans Holland. Yes, he is. From Thailand. It's like the old days. He's coming by in an hour. Oh, we're going to do lunch? Yeah, I think so. All right, we'll do some chipotes and sushi. And then uh, I'm going to get him out golfing this week. He went to PXG, did he not? He's already got his clubs? Yes, and he <clears> loves them. Has he been playing? He has played with them once. Knut does not want to talk. You have to focus. Okay, focus. You can't have both of us unfocus. <laughs> so um, we just finished uh, Social Leverage's, we call it the Palooza. used to be called Linz and Palooza, but I'm a team player. It's called Social Leverage Palooza. Yeah. And uh, do we know what Palooza means? Uh, not sure, but it's, we think of it as you a gathering. the internet to look that up? Chief of Staff, he doesn't even have a laptop. I'm on it, I'm on it. So we had our event, and I'm, I want our guest, who's a portfolio company of ours. It was, it was so intense, this event, because I was so excited to catch up on companies. I didn't mingle with, <laughs> with our LPs. <laughs> it was the first time in like 15 years, which goes to the sign of the times, I think, where the founders were there, and I avoided them. <laughs> no, sorry, the LPs were there. And the founders were there, but I was so interested in the conversations with our guests. You know, we had the CEO of Axos Bank. We had uh, founder of Meritage Home, Steve Hilton, and I was interviewing him. It was so much about like the economy and like, you know, we're in this weird state. And we'll talk a little bit about that today with our guest, Iwana, because of work from home. We have weird weather and that means nothing, but I mean, we work from home. Mm -hmm. We have fucking bananas media politics. We have, you know, summer coming up. We got the ex-president indicted. Um, we have the media just, they're, they're, they're off point. And we have this, like, state of the market. We're just in this giant flux. Right? Lim Where, seems like a limbo right now. I call it limbo. I like that. I call it, I've been, you know, trying to think through this economy, and I've come up with, you know, the angry, degenerate, rich man economy right there's just this is weird grouping of people that are zombieing through life you got the degenerates these kids who aren't degenerates of course but a lot of them i'm labeling them that because they got their iphone they got zoom and, and work and tiktok and you know no mentorship then you've got all this aging population you know it's going to be what 21 percent 
of, uh, that's you and I, 21% of this country will be 65 and over by 2030. That's a lot of angry white people walking around, loaded up with cable news and cash and nothing to do. Like, they're just watching cable news. They're going to be enraged. And then you got the degenerates. They can gamble. I was at the Suns game yesterday, and... Sun scored 30 points in the first quarter, and FanDuel's thing was, hey, anybody over 21 gets $10 to go blow their brains out, right? Like, the whole fucking, everything's about degeneracy, if you're not 65. And then it's, and then the rest is just for rich people, right? Let's go buy experiences and whatever. Right. And, and for people in the middle, man, it's limbo. That's and, there, and so I call it the angry economy, because people are angry. I told, I told Ethan the other day, I just drive to Chipotle's from here for lunch gigantic parking lot down the street gigantic right. i pull in you know red porsche a little flashy and i said maybe i was tweeting on the way over maybe i ran a person off the road it's possible i'm not saying i'm a good driver and i pull into chipotle's i park i go in and get my little uh, you know bowl of chicken and guac and i come out and there's a car your car could have been it was a bmw big bmw so close to my you couldn't have fucking slid in piece of paper <laughs> you could not this guy took the time was this the guy who cut off a little earlier i don't know if I, i'm not saying i cut him off. i'm saying who would do that follow me into a chipotle so it, i don't even think it was it was just an angry person right that pulled within a breath of my door on the driver's side it's the BMW parking lot was wide open it's wasn't like a, it wasn't like a guy looking for a fight i don't think because it wasn't like a, a shitty car so i had to enter my car with my guac bowl from the passenger side at my age, can it? So I thought I was getting punked. I thought someone was just going to post a video of me with my fucking plumber ass hanging out. Ethan, can we see if we can get the security footage from? <laughs> That's uh, I, I was thinking for a little bit of someone awesome. playing a joke, and then it would just air of Howard getting into his Porsche with his ass hanging out. Like <laughs> not sure if I was being punked. Like the whole time, I only I assumed, and then I was driving away, and I was this guy is still three days later in my head. So the angry economy is upon us. Now, I took the high road and didn't key his car um, <laughs> because, by the way, I wanted to, but my fucking car doesn't have a key. Like, so they took away my one weapon. Oh, man. Oh, man. Technology's killing me. So where, do we even have a guest? Are we, what are we doing here? Well, she might have fallen asleep You guys are now. starting to look alike. Really? Yeah, same part in your hair. If you add a little gray and weave to it. All right. So I got a chief of staff. I've got a head of uh, production. And maybe we just have a like a, a fourth person here. I think like a clown. Somebody that just dresses up, you know, that we can punk on every day and we just make do strange things on in this foam room. I think we're getting there. Getting to almost having a show. Let's do it. All right. So getting back to Panic with Friends, we have uh Awana, she's the founder of SQL, one of our portfolio companies. And she's panicked about efficient webinars. Awana was longtime HP and we backed Gary led this round. We backed uh, Awana's in a very interesting space. She's building an awesome team the purpose of providing organizations of all sizes with the ability to fully realize the future of work and connectivity. She's a great speaker. She was at our event, keynote speaker on innovation, the importance of consumer engagement in a B2B environment, and women in technology and entrepreneurship. Just has killed it two years in a row at our event. Sequel. Her product and company allows organizations of all sizes to host the world live on their own websites. Marketers use the no-code solution to live video into a lead conversation engine by embedding virtual events within their websites. 
So while developers can take the low-code API solution with out-of-the-box features to build powerful video platforms with live engagement for communities worldwide, we used it, and it worked great, at our social leverage event. Founders like it. You know, we didn't have to broadcast it publicly. We'll let everybody opt in later if everybody signs off on it. But it really helps people run efficient both live and online webinars. Sweet. And like I said, at HP, she was America's marketing strategy lead from 2016 to 2018. And before that, a country marketing manager also in the United Kingdom for HP. And uh, so I'm excited to to have her on, right? Like we we live in this Zoom economy, but there's other products out there. Let's just walk through how this all came to be. Let's get her on the phone. Sounds good. Juana, you're on. Hi, good to see you both. Well, you're not seeing me, are you? Is there a cam? First I get punked in my car, now there's a camera in here? I'm so used to doing webinars that I, I keep on saying this. We've been talking about doing video for these two, and I think there's probably a lot of stuff we're missing by not picking up on the person's face. But I also like talking into a mic without distractions. Uh, so welcome. It sounds like you are back home. Yes, finally, after six weeks of, uh, of traveling, uh, I'm back in San Francisco. And so how big's the team right now? Tell us a little bit, you know, so in case I butchered it, tell everybody um, a little bit about yourself in SQL. Yeah, so we we started um, building the technology about three and a half years ago because live communication is not easy to build. And um, we went through Techstars um, in 2020, in the middle of 2020, and uh, closed our seed round um, in March 2021. And that's when we really started building the product with our very early customers. And now we're a Series A company. We closed our Series A about a year ago. And we're a team of about 25 people. And it's a, a full remote team, international international team. We have the US side, all our business team, sales, customer success, marketing. Our engineering team is in Europe. Uh, so we've been growing really nicely in the past year or so. We tripled the size of our team. And also um, we tripled the, the amount of customers that we have as well. And, you know, when you say inefficient webinars, like, and, and that, that's what panics you, obviously that's what motivates you and your, and your time at HP kind of got you down this path. What was the moment where you said, I got to start this? <laughs> um, so like you said, Howard, I spent about seven years at HP, first in London and then the US. And as a marketing leader, I was responsible for building strategies for demand generation and ABM campaigns. So Naturally, we were producing a ton of content to educate the market, to drive demand and position ourselves as thought leaders. And you know how they say that every company you think of, and literally every single company you think of, maybe SaaS or retail, B2B, B2C, really is becoming a media company. They're producing blog posts, thought leadership, podcasts like these, newsletters, videos, a huge amount of content. And it's for good reason, because the content drives demand and funnel velocity, but also establishes thought leadership and creates a movement. So companies naturally invest hundreds of thousands of dollars in building all this content in their branded universe, in their websites, basically, where they can track the customer journey and drive conversions. And at HP as well, we spend so much time and money creating these beautiful landing pages, customer success stories, and we turned HP into a giant hub of information with specific teams tracking closely conversions and customer journeys, unless we were doing webinars. And that was frustrating because with webinars, 
we had to drive everyone away from our websites. And that is the key pain point that every single marketer is experiencing right now. They're building these incredible branded real estate worlds with a lot of information, but for webinars, they have to drive them to third-party platforms or really boring apps like Zoom. Yet webinars have become in 2023, the key marketing strategy for over 95% of marketers in every single industry for company of all sizes. If you're a two people company or a thousand people company, you're doing webinars as part of your strategy. And these 95% of companies are driving everyone away to spend time and hours and explore just, you know, apps and never actually coming back into, into their websites. So I got really passionate about, first of all, how do we make marketing a lot more efficient? Um, really, I was frustrated with the fact that how can I put everything on my website, but I can actually put the webinars where people are spending hours in. And the second thing, it was all about connectivity. And you mentioned future of work. Uh, we've been in the front row of the entire transformation that's happened in the past three years. And we patiently waited for the world to come to this new normal and really build a solution for the new normal rather than for, for the pandemic. So coming, you know, the connectivity with efficiency in marketing came together into SQL, um, giving marketers the ability to host all their webinars, live engagement, and on-demand content directly into their own branded universe. That is awesome. And so what are you seeing now that the world has reopened? So there was a lot of money. You know, the VCs do what VCs do. And COVID happened. Where did COVID play into this again? Refresh me in the life of the company. Yeah. So it's really funny because we actually started building this in 2019. So two months before the pandemic, we started with hybrid technology, what right now is called hybrid. Back then, it didn't really have a name. It's um, we enabled organizations to live stream from in-person events because um, like in-person events were very limited and we all know why now of location and, and reach. And we started doing that two months before the pandemic. Our product was very, very early. We were mainly into kind of startup communities in Boston where, uh, where I was living at the time. And then when the pandemic hit, um, a lot of uh, platforms have started coming up at that point. And as a marketer, I knew that once the pandemic is over, there's no way that people will want to sit in front of a laptop for four days straight with six hours of trade shows and, and, and virtual conferences that the new world is going to look slightly different. So instead of us you know, being part of, of that, um, that wave of ridiculous valuations and, and kind of building a platform that just services the pandemic, we decided to actually focus a lot on building the product with our key early customers and really started speaking to a lot of CMOs and understanding how they're thinking about what the new normal looks like. So for about 18 months um, during the pandemic, we actually were doubling down on product building and product development, and that actually paid off. Um, now we have 100 plus um, advisors, CMO advisors that are, we're working with very closely. We've grown our pipeline in the past 12 months of about 2,000% because we wanted to build something that was not just for the pandemic, but it's for the new normal, yeah. which is people actually tuning in for like a 45-minute session, 30-minute sessions, 
uh, fireside chats rather than, you know, the three days conferences that are now actually back in person. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about and unpack there because it's in my business. We were laughed at for so long. We find people like you that were willing to build and not think about valuation only because all these things, these trends are persistent. Like we're seeing with video and work from home, work from home is persistent post COVID. And so is, you know, what you've built at SQL. But the hot money came into things like Hopin, where people just, and, and I know some ticketing and concert stuff that was built and live event, you know, stuff from home that was built. And all that hot money came in, much like crypto, it came in. So what do people build? Build stuff for a hot market. And now that things have quieted down, um, we're starting to see real, we'll start to see real building. And in your area, you know, we can see, as Zoom was so focused on like onboarding everybody, that once COVID ended, you know, it just doesn't have the features that are needed to keep up with CMOs. Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're hoping for and seeing? Like, you have to talk to the CMOs. And, you know, they, whether they liked it or not, had to focus on the masses during COVID. And you think that's kind of helping? Yeah, I mean, Zoom is um, is a great company, actually. It's a great Amazing. It's a great solution for video conferencing and we respect how, you know, certain players in the market and how Zoom has built from ground up. I have a huge respect for Eric. Yet the reason why there were so many successful platforms, even for a specific amount of time or as we're seeing in um, our industry now for like a longer um, kind of time in the future, the reason that happened is because Zoom obviously cannot do everything and is not focused on everything. They're doing video conferencing and that's fine. But when it comes to actual webinars, when it comes to marketing specifically, we wanted to build something from marketers, not something that is built for, you know, kind of weddings and everyone kind of getting together one-to-one. Yeah, That's the moment when I realized that I just have to talk to marketers. And I didn't just put myself in their shoes. I was a marketer for, for eight years. I've done this already. Correct. And I started building this advisory group. Um, we have over 100 CMOs that I'm actually hosting, the majority of them every Thursday morning. Uh, it's called the Game Changer Series. And we're really talking real, like what is that you're looking for and what are the pain points? And what we keep hearing over and over saying, well, marketing efficiency is super important. It's 2023. And you mentioned this as well, Howard, it's an economic downturn. This is not a time where people are printing money. We do, they don't have um, unlimited budgets anymore. The teams, unfortunately, have been cut sometimes in half, yep. if not even more. Mm -hmm. The budgets have been cut massively. So marketers right now are more going into efficiency. They're not spending a lot of money in ads and they're looking, what can we do with the budget that we have, with the assets that we have to get more dollars out of what we're putting in? And the one thing they obviously can't cancel is their website. So they started like yep. focusing a lot more back to their website, their conversion in there. How can they activate the assets that they have so that they're better at tracking, they're better at identifying intent within their leads instead of just, you know, capturing everyone and anyone and focusing the teams on what really moves the needle. And so what what's the perfect size customer for your time, like what you're actively hunting in the product? What is like what's the what's the perfect size company, I guess? We work with companies of all sizes, which is really yeah. exciting. So we work with 
companies from startups and even nonprofits, one, two, three people, all the way to some of the biggest companies in the world, like HP actually became a customer, which is which is great. HP, Comcast, NBC Universal, Carta, Salesloft, Mutiny, some of these are our customers and everyone in between. Whereas anyone can really use our technology, uh, we see our solution being the best suited, I would say for companies between like a 250 to about 2000 employees, because these organizations have started to have a bit of a, a MarkTech solution suite in place. They understand the importance of website conversion and website tracking. Um, but really, we don't we don't really have a limit on who can use our technology because it's just so easy to get started, and it can also get so sophisticated as the company is growing, uh, integrating with all the CRMs natively. Actually, we're the only ones that have native integration that is so simple with Salesforce, uh, Marketo, oh, and so many others. So really, we can go on any spectrum. I love the idea of the the game changer series. So it's I guess it's open to any CMO. How do they how does like a CMO reach out and get involved in the game changer series? It went pretty viral, I have to say. So we started this uh, around November time, where we um, I went out for lunch with um, an incredible CMO here in the valley, and we were chatting about all these changes that are happening in the team, and and she was mentioning about how excited actually she is to see marketing doubling down in efficiency. And I'm like, let's just do a session because I'm sure that a lot of other marketers and CMOs are looking at the same thing. So it really started with that in-person discussion. We took it online. We got an incredible response from it. And then before we knew it, people were reaching out to us. Um, our guests were recommending other guests. And now we're booked up up until December this year. And we have uh, leaders, not just CMO, leaders like founder and CEO of Sendoso, or Goddard, the founder and CEO of G2, Lauren, the CMO of Salesloft, and so many others like really opening up and talking about what is happening right now and how they're tackling the economic downturn and the strategies that they're focusing on and what really efficiency means for them. And this series not only allows us to create content and really be a thought leader like we're telling our customers to be, but it also drives about um, 80% of our pipeline for our own business. Um, and with SQL AI that we just launched, we're turning all these webinars into snackable blog posts and content instantly. So it's much easier to deliver this message to the market. AI obviously is a buzzword, at least at our event, everybody threw the word out. How do you think about AI? Like, What, what is the aha moment for marketers and video that you see? Yeah, AI, I think... Um, it can can bring an immense opportunity to to companies as long as you're building AI with your customer in mind, that you're not just adding AI to your product because it's sexy and it's cool and it's trendy. And um, funnily enough, um, we started thinking about AI a couple of years ago and what that would mean for a SQL. And uh, what we did, we launched SQL AI a couple of weeks ago that turns literally any webinar that you're doing instantly into on-demand content and um, SEO-optimized blog posts with recommended social media posts. So what in the past you would have a writer or content writer, either in the team or a freelancer, to spend hours, like sometimes we quantified for a, a kind of a medium-sized company, would be 24 to 48 hours 
um, a month spending just writing the content, taking the transcripts, downloading that, and only two, three, four weeks later being able to give this to the market, right now you can do it in under five minutes. And it's really powerful. We built, we, we were early adopters with GPT-4, so we got into okay. the product before it was a thing, and we built with them, um, and we really wanted to make sure that this is a, um, kind of a value to our customers. Wow, amazing. Ethan, you had a couple, I think you had one question. Yeah, I was, I was curious. You're obviously selling to some big enterprise names that you mentioned. I was wondering how you go about building out a sales team. And also, sales, obviously, uh, they rely on each other, you know, on a sales floor. So when it's all remote, how are you thinking about that? And what are you seeing there? That's a really good question. So in terms of our sales process right now, we're selling directly to companies, uh, building relationships with their marketing teams and their CMOs and really understanding their pain points. And at this point, we have a huge amount of data on what marketers are really looking for, especially demand gen leaders. So right now you still have to book a demo with our team to take you through the technology because there's just so much to show. Yeah. In a few weeks, we're opening up for self-serve, which means that any marketer in the world can just start with an account, can explore the two-week trial with everything that SQL has to offer yeah. and get started with their first webinars for free before they even make a decision to, to purchase. And We've been growing ourselves massively in the past 12 months. And as a result, we actually just brought on board a VP of revenue, a sales and customer success leader, Peter von Bouchard. He was um, a VP of sales at Wistia for the past seven years and really cool. grew Wistia seven or eight X, um, impressive, uh, impressive track record. So he just came on board to optimize our sales team and allow our company to grow in a more efficient way. And building a remote sales culture is not easy, but I think that it's all about finding the right people who are uh, you know, ready to grind and, and ready to share information in an async way. And we get together at trade shows and uh, team get togethers to really build that culture. I see my daughter and she they use Teams. First of all, on Teams, <laughs> I'm asking the idiot question here. Teams is like the evil empire to me. How do you look at them? Yeah, Teams is exactly like Zoom, if you are to think about it. It's still an app that you have on your computer. Teams, uh, we come across it mostly in like large enterprises because they have those massive contracts with Microsoft. Uh, it's, again, good for video conferencing. But at the end of the day, if you're a CMO, you're still sending all your customers and prospects to a Teams they would never right. come to your website. You have no idea how much they engage. Correct. You don't know what they're doing next. You have no way of getting them to convert Correct. into to take high value action, maybe subscribe or book a demo. So it's exactly like any other application out there. And as a matter of fact, our CM, uh, CTO has worked at Microsoft for about eight years before he built SQL. So we, um, he has a lot of experience and understanding on kind of how, how Teams was built. And while it's a great app for enterprise companies, it's still not solving the pain point for marketers. And I mean, that you just laid out, I just needed that laid out so people understand how we think as angel investors. People are like, why are you investing in video? There's Zoom and Microsoft Teams. And it's like, yes, there is. That's the opportunity 
because they're going to have to eventually fill in these holes because they're going to want to control what these companies are doing on their website. Not to speculate about acquires potentially as you grow, but like that's how markets work. Everybody kind of is looking and thinking the problem's solved and nothing's getting solved because everybody's just using one feature. It's kind of like our brain, <laughs> right? Like there's so much potential and we just, you know, me and Knut just stare at each other and do podcasts and we could be doing so much more. The, uh, sorry, I drifted there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just woke up. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted to call you out there. Ethan's paying more attention. So good question, Ethan. And, and, and your hair looks good today. The, um, so what are you seeing internally as the biggest problem of remote work? I think that um, we're all learning from each other. We can spend endless amount of hours uh, looking into white papers, looking into what experts are saying. But I think that ultimately, it's all about getting together with your team. All about like sitting down, understanding how they're working, what they need. We just came out of a team offsite um, that we hosted in Scottsdale, actually. And um, we literally asked our team and understanding how they work together. And it's all about building um, building an environment for for teams to be efficient as they're as they're uh, working remotely. As a leader, I'm focusing a lot more on output uh, on their performance rather than what they're doing every single minute of their day. I think it's, it kind of builds a lot of trust and combined with some in-person activities uh, really builds that strong foundation for uh, for a team culture. And I think that's the the case for marketers as well. And in business, um, like you and I right now, we're, we're talking remotely and, and I've built so many great relationships with customers over uh, over video and we use SQL, of course, for that. Um, but at the same time, meeting in person, sitting down for lunch, going for a drink really uh, solidifies that uh, that relationship. And that's basically what we're seeing as an impact with SQL as well. Like people are using SQL for all the webinars, but then there's in-person conferences that we're at as well, where you um, kind of build a, a foundation for those relationships that you've built with a global audience. That is cool. Where, where are you living right now? Well, I'm a citizen of the world at this point. I just came out of six weeks of travel, but I live in uh, San Francisco Bay Area. I, I kind of am a citizen. Well, I was a citizen of the world. Now I'm mostly a citizen of uh, this room. <laughs> um, but I, I do like you, these six-week, seven-week excursions. There's never been a better time to be a citizen of the world, as bad as the headlines are. What is it like being a citizen of San Francisco? Is this a different era than when you started the company? I think it's um, access to information and hubs because right now I'm in San Francisco Bay Area and in the past you would think that this is the mecca of founders, but things have changed. Founders live everywhere in the world. Investors live everywhere in the world. Customers, the same. Business is being done in a much more distributed way than it was in the past. And this is the reason why I travel so much. Um I think that the biggest change that we're seeing is access. In the past, you had to be here to raise money, had to be here to close deals, whereas now you can literally be anywhere with the right technology, with the right tools, with the right people in your team. You can build a successful business out of anywhere in the world. I, I agree with that, and I agree that you're kind of uh, inspirational in that. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a door-to-door salesman, even, even with all these tools. Like, this is why I take these world excursions to just make sure people see me. It's one thing to blog every day or be on video every day. But it's another 
then you got to shake. If if you're not shaking the customer's hand, someone else will. Yeah. Behind your back, and I don't think enough young. This goes to my my worry about this twenty to thirty year old generation where they're just not seeing what what it takes to really win a deal. Like you have to have the best product, guaranteed. But the best product in enterprise has never really mattered. I think now there's an opportunity for the best product and the best. Like you're being a founder, being out on the road and talking to actual customers, you got to do both. I agree. I agree. I think and it also matters. Like if it's enterprise, totally. I've done so many lunches with with our customers, and also because I'm interested in how we're building the product from their perspective, but of course closing the deals as well. When it comes to PLG and more kind of self-serve, Gardner just issued a report that 85% of the research is being done without them even talking to you. So as much as we're investing in building relationships with our customers, we also need to invest in the digital um, journey that they're taking before they're even talking to us. So it's kind of that good balance, like you're saying, as well, the good balance of how are we positioning ourselves digitally, how we're everywhere from a digital perspective, content, website, conversion. And when you do meet with a customer in person, you're really kind of just solidifying that relationship you've built. All right. Well, great. I, uh, what do you do for relaxation <laughs> as a founder in a, in a growth company? What do you do? Um, yeah, relaxation. What is that? Um, I'm really just so excited to build this, but normally just to take my mind off things, I do a lot of skiing in the winter. I travel in the summer. I try to work out of Europe a few weeks a year and I'm starting to get into yoga, but I've got some, some, uh, some more things to do before I get there. All right. Well, it was great. Great to see you. Did you have fun at the event? What, like what, what is different about how we do things? Do you think is like, what can we improve on? What do you like about how we work with founders? Oh, to be honest, I always enjoyed the social leverage events. This was the second time I was there and the energy in the room, all the founders um, bringing in their their updates or new founders that Social Leverage has invested in is very inspirational. We actually have identified some partnership opportunities with some of these companies, which is always very special. And meeting the LPs and understanding why they, they're part of this journey with us has been really good. So I think Social Leverage is always doing such a great job in bringing the entire ecosystem together and really connecting the dots. So yeah, thank you for doing that. Was there any company that stood out to you? I know you're enterprise and maybe you didn't see all the pitch. Was there anything that just stood out as interesting or themes or like anything that if you had money to invest, like what's exciting to you? Oh, it's, it's hard to choose. Obviously I have some founder friends that I'm, I'm biased uh, with like surfboard and beehive and Dixology and, and a few others. Um, it's again, like a little bit biased on the content side of things. Beehive, I think is doing a great job when it comes to like newsletters. So that's, that's something that again, a lot of, a lot of marketers are looking into. So it's a growing market as well as, um, surfboard with their ability to manage, kind of making it easier to, to manage board meetings. Cause we've been having that challenge for quite some time as well, making sure that we're making the most out of our boards and investors. But honestly, I think there's a lot of really interesting companies that uh, that Social Leverage has invested in that it's very hard to choose which one is is the greatest. And then is there a public company? Like, is there somebody that you look up to in the public market, like a leader that you look up to? There's many companies that I look up to uh, from as a marketer and as a leader. Uh, HubSpot is one of them, the, the way they have led with content. Um, 
And they always did, right? Like just that yeah. little beep up, beep up, beep up at the beginning, like when you first used to go there 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. Uh, the way it would just like mess with your brain and serve up something cool and you didn't even know what it was. I love the fact that they actually did something really cool in um, in what used to be like a more traditional market. Like CRMs were were, were big, were huge, right? You had like Salesforce, mm-hmm. you have Dynamics, like these humongous companies that have set the norm. And then HubSpot comes in into, into a in a very non-conventional way. They led with content and kind of educating people rather than, hey, this feature is better than that feature. And I think that's really inspirational on how to really build a, a good company culture as well as kind of a good go-to-market strategy. So I really look up to them. And then, of course, like the PLG companies of the world, like Slack and Figma, have been really inspirational on how they build product and that in-product virality that we're also looking to build as well through our self-serve motion in in the next few weeks. Well, I'm impressed. Knut? Absolutely. Very impressed. I think I'm tired. (laughs) So on point to so on. So, all right. Well, thanks for taking the time. Okay. Best way to reach you or a sales team? Best way to reach me, find me on LinkedIn, uh, Juana Manolake. Uh, the company is SQL.io. The website is SQL.io. So uh, book a demo if you want to talk to us. Okay. That's awesome. Thanks for taking the time. And uh, we will obviously talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Canute Howard, she is a powerhouse. Whose show is this? I was going to say that. Chief of Staff, what do you think? She's killing it. She's a tough lady. Yeah. Tough and nice at the same time. Good combo. I, I sensed an accent. Is that just me or is he? I think, I'm not sure, but I think he's a Romanian. Oh, I thought it was more like Alabama. I'm so bad at accents. Close. You know? Like, that's why I can't make sounds. So you think Romania? I think so. Hmm. I talked to Ivan every week. I didn't even know he was Bulgarian. The, uh, I'm just so neutral. You know, I see, everybody is like just a person, which is why I'm so upset that Chipotle's fucker went after me. We have to find that guy. Chief of Staff, you're on that, right? We're going to do an I'm APB. On I'm on it. I always want to say, let's put it in an APB. All right, everybody. I could bore you with more. There's even banter. a place in, Mo- in Romania called Manolake. Really? Yeah. She said it. Like, look me up. Like, people would remember what that means. So that was pretty funny. But anyway, SQL.io. Thanks to my chief of staff for making time in this busy schedule. Ethan? I wonder what he'll be next. Can you, what do you think is next? Where, where do you go from chief of staff? Dude, next you? week he'll be running this place completely. Yeah, the chief CEO. of staff to CEO. Luckily, he hasn't met anybody else on the team. It'll be hard to shark his way up from oh, yeah. there. Oh, yeah. The, uh, all right. So you were listening to Panic with Friends. I am Howard Lindzen. Probably the nicest guy on the planet, Knut. Uh, the nicest guy uh, in this office, probably. Ah, is. I'll take that because you're pretty nice. Uh, and uh, we talked with founders, venture capitalists, uh, traders, investors, entrepreneurs like Awana to try and just get a little bit ahead and uh, open up a little sunshine and ideas for companies to grow and for people to just get a little bit ahead of the curve. You can find Panic with Friends on uh, Fox News. Does Fox News have an app, a podcast app? No. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Google. You can find us on Apple. They have a uh, podcasting thingy. But just search my name or Panic with Friends and subscribe. And every Thursday, you will get a podcast just like the one you heard, sometimes funnier, sometimes mundane, but always trying to put 
ourselves in the idea of a trend and how to make a little bit of extra money. Thanks, Knut. Thanks, Ethan. We will see everybody next week. Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Social Leverage or StockTwits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.